What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, and I am joined, as I always am, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. Bart, how are you this fine evening? Doing great, Andrew. It was a little touch and go here. We had some some storms rolling through. I was a little concerned that we might have to start the podcast at like midnight or something <laughs> or that I was going to lose power, but all, all's good here. <laughs> well, let's hope, let's hope that uh, we make it through without any interruptions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but even if there are interruptions, we will make sure that our listeners do not he- have to uh, notice any interruption <laughs> in their listening experience because we are just masterful editors of this stuff. So, yeah. Um, but speaking of storms, I uh, this is not really related to storms, but I did just install an umbrella on my deck, and uh, it's it's awesome. I'm so excited <laughs> about it. I, I I know this is like a lame forty something thing to be excited about, but it's it rotates 360 degrees, so it can like cover every possible area of the deck, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be nice. <laughs> that's gonna be our, that's gonna be our new our new small talk at the beginning. We're talking about these like. Old old man things we're getting. I tell you what, an umbrella is important. With our, you and I both have this kind of fair skin, bald heads. You know, gotta gotta stay out of the sun. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> and it also just makes it a much more uh, relaxing experience. I think when you're not getting baked. Yeah. Um, well, that kind of baked. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so let's move on to talking about baseball, shall we? Um, and we do have our new set of rest of season rankings up at rosrankings.com and that means we've got plenty to discuss because this is our first update in two weeks so every time we uh we usually do it every week but whenever we take a break and and skip a week we always have (laughs) even more to discuss so we have an action-packed show of movers and shakers to talk about today uh players that have moved up and down our rest of season rankings and why don't we just jump right in there bart what do you say yeah let's do it all right so we let's start with some um, some of the high end guys, um, and we'll start with hitters. Yeah. Uh, so one guy, you know, ever since I tweeted that my like my mind was blown that Marcus Simeon hit forty five home runs last year <laughs> and had zero this year, I feel like ever since I tweeted that he's pretty much been on fire, and uh, <laughs> you know he's still got a ways to go to, you know, deliver on the what people were hoping for when they drafted him, but. Uh, he has been a top 15 overall player in the last month. Uh, he's now up to, uh, he's, in the last month he, alone, he has six homers and nine steals uh, with a 293 batting average. Uh, unfortunately, that's most of his production for the entire year. Uh, but this was a guy that, you know, I don't know. There's something about Marcus Simeon. Like, it's always either just really great or blah with him, you know? And, um, this is it's been really great multiple times though it was really great in 2019 it was not good in 2020 it was really really great last year it was not great at the beginning of this year and it's been really great lately so do you think that he can ride this wave through the rest of the season well i guess uh, he would have been a good candidate for buy low if we did that <laughs> a couple weeks ago right i mean i don't yeah. i don't know that you can do it now but you know if if there probably are some people out there who did buy low on him and you you absolutely could be getting a, a top five second base or shortstop rest of the season. So, you know, if you're someone who acquired him, it doesn't really matter that he did poorly early on. If you're someone who kind of sat on him and and waited and maybe had him on your bench, yeah, sure. I mean, he's he's getting things started. He's with a new team, so I don't I don't see why you can't you know, pick it up. It's funny you talked about your tweet and stuff, and 
maybe he's like Steph Curry. I hear Steph Curry at halftime reads his mentions just for motivation. So maybe Marcus <laughs> Simeon is scanning his name and he saw it. And he's like, man, Andrew Seifter. I'll show him. <laughs> I'll tell you, there's it's, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of mentions to uh, read through if you're Steph Curry or Marcus Simeon. Just looking at all the <laughs> sounds hate, exhausting you know? to me. I know it does. Um, but yeah, I, I think you and I are pretty much on the same page with him. We've both got him. I've got him at 53rd overall at this point, rest of season. Uh, you've got him 63rd. So yeah. uh, a little lower maybe than we had him coming into the season, but not much. Right. And I move, I mean, this is a guy that, I mean, we had probably both moved him down to like maybe not even, you know, inside the top 100. I mean, he was right on the borderline. I was just, just kept moving him down and moving him down because how could you not? But yeah, he's back up. So yeah. And another guy, kind of the same story, Randy Orozarena. Yeah. I mean, this is another guy that goes, that, that really burns hot and cold. You know what I mean? And, uh, he has been extremely hot. He, you know, I just said Simeon was the 15th overall player in the last month. Well, Randy Rosarena is 16th. So he's right behind him, <laughs> hitting 319, six homers, and six steals, 22 RBIs over the last 30 days. Uh, I mean, we've seen this with Randy Rosarena before. We've seen it in the playoffs with Randy Rosarena. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, he's he can just be an absolute five category monster when he's when he's rolling, and uh, you know the the next slump could always be right around the corner with him, I guess. But uh, it just it's it shows you like he can make up for a slow start extremely quickly, you know, with the kind of ability that he has, and um, now his his numbers are on pace to be. Uh, significantly better, honestly, than than they were last year, or at least close. Um, when he went twenty twenty, uh, scored ninety four runs, hit two seventy four. Uh, you know he's on pace to actually steal even more bases this year, and the batting average is climbing fast, and the power is still a little bit down, but um, you know he he has a pretty good chance to get to twenty again. I think so. Uh, what's not to yeah. love here? I think so too. And this is a guy I liked a lot coming into the season. And I was really disappointed when, you know, his start, his first 20 games, he batted under 200, no home runs, just a very rough start to the season. He had four RBIs in, in those 20 games. So just very little production. But since then, yeah, he's hit, he's hit seven home runs and plenty of RBIs batting right around 300, you know, in his last like 40 games. So definitely coming around and, uh, Hitting a lot better. I'm just looking at his splits. Like he's doing much better on the road. You know, he's batting like 300 on the road away from the drop, and most of his home runs and production are coming away from Tampa, which, which makes that sense. That's a tough a lot. ballpark. Yeah. Yep. So you know, starts heating up. You know, he's playing in Yankee Stadium, playing at Camden. Of course, you know the field. You know, left field's out a little bit, but that's that's not stopping guys like Mountcastle from, you know, hitting some bombs too. Yep. So yeah, I like a Rosarena. Yeah, well, one guy I really, really like, he might be my favorite player this season, uh, is Dansby Swanson, because uh, he got dropped in my league uh, after his really ice-cold start in April, and I swooped in and picked him up, and I let off my waiver wire article at Fantasy Pros talking about (laughs) him and how he was an example of why people should always look to see who gets dropped in their leagues because the guys that get dropped in April in your leagues are, there's a good chance they're better than anyone else you're going to find on the waiver wire. So uh, that's what I said about, about Dansby Swanson. And ever since then, you know, I may have, um, you know, uh, 
convinced Marcus Simeon to go bananas. I Maybe <laughs> I had the, the same thing with Dansby Swanson, but this one I'm actually reaping the benefits of. Um, he, he's just been on a complete tear. I mean, he hit 304 with five homers uh, and six steals in May. He's hitting 379 with three more homers and a steal here in June. Um, it's, you know, he's 28 years old. Uh, I kind of liked his statistical profile, honestly, coming into the season, but um, because I did feel like he had that nice combination of the power and a bit of speed um, with, you know, a, a serviceable batting average. But uh, it seems like he is taking his game to another level this season. Um, I'm, you know, there could be some regression, but I mean, his expected batting average is 281, according to StatCast which isn't that much lower than his 295. Uh, you know, he's making solid contact and strikeout rate is manageable. He, the Braves are on a roll and there's mm-hmm. tons of RBI and run opportunities for him. Uh, so, you know, I could see the argument maybe that he's a little bit of a sell high just because he's been so good. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty on board with him being a valuable player the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I've become a believer. I was not a big Dancy Swanson guy coming into the season, and you know that his start really was just that confirmation bias for me. And then he's uh, he's proven me wrong for sure uh, that he's not just a great defensive player. He's he's reproducing. Not only is he reproducing what he's doing, but you mentioned the steals. Like he has nine steals. You know, he's only had ten steals in a season, uh, and any, that's that's the most he's ever had. So the steals are are huge right now. So that's a big part of uh, you know why he is one of the best shortstops uh, in fantasy. And you mentioned like kind of the the waiver wire thing it's almost like guys being dropped kind of at the end of april it's almost like guys in fantasy football being dropped around week three or four right it's like guys people give up on them uh, it's like it's 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 baseball's a much longer season but in fantasy football you you, off, you often have to look at that waiver wire and not just see who's the waiver wire darling of the week but see who got dropped <laughs> because guys will hit the wire the wire yep absolutely um so let's move on to another one of my favorite players of, of the 2022 season. And that's Adalas Garcia of the Rangers. Uh, you know, this guy, I feel like this is a guy that like the fantasy community kind of wanted to not like because he's just one of those players that's, you know, he's kind of like a, a uh, go for it all, big swing, strike out a lot kind of a guy. Yeah, low um, he was amazing in the first half of the season last year and then was like really bad in the second half. Uh, but he still finished with 31 home runs, 16 steals, 90 RBIs, and that 243 batting average for the season was perfectly fine. You know, like if he can hit 240, 250 with the kind of uh, other numbers that he can provide, he's extremely valuable. And um, this year, the batting average is pretty much the same, it's a 248. Uh, he's cut the strikeout rate down from 31.2% to 27.7, which is much – that's a really nice improvement for him because that was the big knock on him, right? And now he's running even more. He's already got 10 steals this year. He's got 12 homers, so you know maybe the power is like a little behind schedule, but, I mean, he's still a 25 to 30 homer type of a guy, I think, at least, if not more, you know, because he – he had 31 last year. He had 32 in AAA in 2019. He's got legitimate power. Um, the run production's been good. Uh, I just feel like this is a guy that like people need to take more seriously. You know, it's kind of reminds me of Javi Baez a little bit. You know, like everybody kind of 
just wanted to hate on Javi Baez because of the way he played. Like he was just, he wasn't fundamentally sound, I guess you could say, you know, and he didn't have a great plate approach. Right. You know, people love the Wander Franco types with the great plate approach and I get it, but um, this is fantasy. And especially if you're playing in a standard five by five league, like, a guy doesn't necessarily have to have a great plate approach to be a great fantasy option. And I think Adalas Garcia is for real. What do you say? Yeah, and you mentioned the home runs. I mean, 12 is nothing to, you know, like, that's that's fine. I mean, home runs have been down, you know. It's been sort of like this dead ball to start the year that, that, that people are kind of talking about. And so the fact that he has 12 home runs, I mean, that that's okay with me. I mean, he can still finish with 25. Maybe he finishes with 30. So, yeah, I think that, and like you mentioned, the steals, uh, the average will probably be around 250. I mean, that's kind of what he's what he's been, right? And that, but yeah, the other the other numbers are are well well uh, great for fantasy. The only uh, the thing I wanted to mention too, just going back to Tansby Swanson real quick. One thought I had was uh, the other reason I think he's here to stay is he's been batting second, you know, for a long time. I, yeah, I, I wanted point. to mention that because like he started the season, I think he was batting like seventh or eighth. And, I think he was batting ninth. Yeah. Fair amount. So yeah. like he's he's now batting second in that order, and with Albie's out for a long time, like. Swanson's going to be in second for the foreseeable future. So just wanted to mention that as well. Yeah, there's another guy we'll talk about a little bit later who's now batting at the bottom of the uh, Braves lineup. He's another guy that I think could be finding his way towards the top sooner than later. That's a little tease. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anything you want to, anything else you want to say about Garcia or should we move on to uh, our next name? Now let's keep going. we got a lot of names to get through. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> How about Wilson Contreras? Uh, he is the number one catcher. Uh, in fantasy this season, and he's the number one catcher by a good margin, actually. Um, there's D- Darton, Dalton Varsho is the only guy who's really even close, uh, and he's pretty far behind. I mean, um, <laughs> Contreras is the 66th overall player this season so far in standard 5 by 5 leagues, number 36 among hitters. Uh, you know, no other catcher is top 100 player in, in, those, in that format, so... He's mashing. He's hitting 276, 12 homers. Um, it's just we've seen good things from him before, you know. Um, but uh, this could be a, a best year ever for him. Yeah, it could. And and at the catcher position, I mean, we talked about guys like we kind of faded guys like Salvador Perez, you know, before the season started. And I think you know Will Smith is is a pretty nice nice player, but. Yeah, Contreras is is the best of the bunch right now. I don't know that he'll necessarily finish in in first. We'll see, but I mean, I don't see why he couldn't. But I think when it's all said and done, we could see someone else. I mean, we could be Varsho. Um, we could see. I mean, also just wanted to mention too, his little brother uh, William Contreras for the Braves <laughs> also has moved up our rankings quite a bit since we last talked. Of course, he's not getting quite the playing time that he was a couple weeks ago um, when he kind of came up, but. He's also, I think, a top 12 catcher just kind of by default. <laughs> He's put up some good numbers himself. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Contreras, I believe, is the only catcher that has double-digit home runs so far this season. So, yep, looks like it. Uh, that's impressive. Uh, you know, I uh, hits in a plum spot in the lineup. And, yeah, I mean, I just I, – I, I will admit I was a little too low on him coming into the season, I think, um, just because – I don't know. I thought he was just kind of boring. Like I had him as a top ten catcher, but I didn't really see the upside. I didn't think he. I didn't think he'd have his batting average up near two eighty. Right. And I didn't think he could boost the power up into that thirty home run kind of level, which it looks like he might be able to do this year. I mean, 
His previous career high was 24. Uh, he's had over 23 times. So, he, you know, 20 seemed like a, a pretty good bet, but 30 seemed pretty far-fetched coming in the season, but it doesn't seem that far-fetched anymore. And uh, strikeout rate is way down, all the way down to 19%. His expected batting average is actually even higher than his actual average right now. So he's making hitting the ball hard, not striking out a lot. Uh, there's just a lot to like and at a position where it's hard to find that. Yeah, honestly, I wasn't looking at many Cubs, to be to be honest, like coming into the, the season. And that was probably a big part of why I was kind of fading him. Like when we did the catcher preview, I remember talking about Yasmani Grandal as that guy who I probably would go after in that same range. And man, Contreras <laughs> was the pick, right? And Granny yeah. Grandal's been struggling. But yeah, I was looking at Grandal. Yeah, and I was looking at him because he was with the White Sox, good lineup, yada, yada. But sometimes you can find those guys in fantasy who play for a bad team. And another guy uh, for a bad team is Brian Reynolds. He's finally starting to come around for the Pirates. Um, another team where before the season started, you're probably not looking at too many Pirates. Maybe Brian Reynolds, and that's probably about it. Um, but he was he was just really cold and just very boring uh, you know, as a player. But, I mean, he has three home runs in his last seven games. He's starting to heat up. I mean, he's... He's getting multiple, I mean, I'm just looking at his game long, and he has multiple hits in like, I don't know, probably like seven or eight of his last ten. He's just, I mean, he's just raking right now. So I like to see Brian Reynolds coming around. He's he's showing what he, you know, did last year. Last year he was sort of one of those players who was quietly like a top, what, 12 or 15 outfielder uh, in five-by-five mm-hmm. five leagues. Um, and he's, he's, showing, he's showing why in the last couple weeks. Yeah, he's this is like another guy. I feel like I might be uh, turned my back on a little too quickly this season. Um, I just it's it's kind of like what you said. It was just like because of the situation he's in in Pittsburgh, and the fact that he doesn't really like stand out in any category. Um, he's just kind of a solid across the board producer. Yep. When things are going bad, it's like easy to just kind of bail on him, you know, because it's like there's nothing else to make up for it. Um, but he's a good hitter, you know, and, um, I, you know, I don't know if he is going to be as good as he was last season, but he's definitely hot right now. Seven homers in the last month. Um, you know, I, the, the thing is, I, I am curious about the strikeout rate because it was pretty high in April and then it dropped down in May. It was 26.8% April, 182 in May which is more like what he had last year. Right. And then so far in June, it's back up to 28.1%. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- that's still an issue because uh, he, he hit 300 last season and he's not going to hit 300 uh, if he's striking out that much. So um, that's that's something to keep an eye on because he's not really a 30-homer guy, even though he's on a hot streak right now. He's not a double-digit steals guy. He's going to have trouble with the run production being in Pittsburgh. So I, I was... I think I was wrong to bury him as far down my rankings as I did, but I still question exactly how good he'll be this year, I guess. Yeah, I guess I'm just like, he's he's now showing me, like, if I have him, I'm comfortable just putting him back in my lineup. You know, if I'm in just like a traditional Roto League, get him back in there. He's hitting. Uh, he's even stealing a base here and there. He's been caught stealing a couple times in his last 10 games, too, so he's getting the green light a little bit. Would like to see him actually steal those bases, but it's good that he's running, so... Um, you know, maybe he'll end up with six or seven stolen bases when it's all said and done, too. Yeah, could could be. So, um, so then the next guy, this is a little different than the names we've said so far because this is not a guy who has great numbers so far this season. Um, 
but it is a guy, and it's a guy that could actually be available on the waiver wire for you to scoop up for nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Brandon Belt, uh, this is just a guy that I'm very impressed with. I mean, if you just look at what he has done uh, over the last couple seasons in San Francisco, I mean, in, in 2020, he hit 309 with nine homers in 51 games. And then last year, he hit 274 with 29 homers in only 97 games. So. That's 38 home runs in 147 games uh, with a with a very high batting average, too. Well over 280, closer to 290, I believe. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's some serious production, you know. And uh, so far this year, it has not been as good. I mean, he's been hurt. And injuries have been an issue for him throughout his career. But he, is, he just came back and... Uh, that we've talked about the giants before with something <laughs> in the water and they just seem to know how to get great performances out of not so amazing players. But this is a guy who's been there the, his whole career and he's had some, some decent years, but I, it seems to me like he could be one of these guys that like has the best years of his career, like in his mid to late thirties, <laughs> like the hitter version of Charlie Morton or something. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I he's a guy I would be interested in uh, in scooping up if you need help at first base because uh, just what he did those last two seasons to me really stands out. Yeah, and I mean Joey Votto's done that a little bit, uh, sort of in his old age. Um, but yeah, you said he he came back last night. He hit a home run in his first game game back off the IL. So welcome back, Brandon Belt, and he is thirty six percent rostered in Yahoo League. So yeah, he's out there and available. Former rich and flying squirrel. I like Brandon Belt. <laughs> I always, I always keep my eye on like him and Brandon Crawford because I was able to see them when they when they played here together. And you know, yeah, Brandon Belt is a is a good guy to. I'm, I would imagine was he in your waiver wire article last week? If not, he'll be in there this week. He, he's been in it before, actually. Um, okay, I, but I don't know if it was last week. It might have been before. He's had a couple injury interruptions. I think it was when yeah. he was working his way back that I mentioned him. But yeah, he's. He's definitely a guy I would be I would be targeting. Yep. Uh, so let's shift gears a little bit and talk about some some starting pitchers uh, who uh, are pretty high end guys. Um, Lance Lynn is a guy that I think I was excited about, but I think you may have been even more excited about coming into the season. Oh yeah. Um, and he's finally finally coming back. So what are your expectations for Lance Lynn uh, in 2022? Well, yeah, I liked him a lot coming into the season because I guess. What I saw last year was he, you know, he he pitched deep into games. I felt like he was going to be an innings eater, and then he gets has the knee injury. Um, glad it wasn't an arm, uh, but yeah, he came back. I feel like he kind of struggled a little bit in his first start back, right? But um, it's almost like he's going through spring training now, <laughs> right? So I look mm-hmm. at Lance Lynn, and I might, uh, you know, give him a couple starts on on my bench. Um, but I, I expect him to to come back and be like a top twenty starting pitcher the rest of the way. So I would. I would absolutely trade for Lance Lynn now that he's back. Now that he's had like maybe a little bit of a rough start, he might even have another little rough start. So um, keep an eye on him. Maybe make a trade offer too. I would definitely try to get Lance Lynn right now. Now's yeah. the time. <laughs> yep. And I actually have him ranked 93rd. You only have him 129th. So you okay. might need to boost that up a little bit. <laughs> I think you're right. I, th- I moved him up a little <laughs> bit now that he's back, but yeah, a little bit more for sure. Yeah, he's he's definitely. I mean, the thing I like about Lance Lynn is his strikeout rate has really jumped the last uh, since 2019. Uh, it's it's really jumped into the you know double digit K per nine, and the walk rates actually come down. So that's something you don't usually see. The strikeout rate goes up and the walk <laughs> rate comes down. Uh, and even before that, he's always been a, a solid innings eater with low ERA. Um, 
so adding that that element of the case i think uh and he can really you know be an asset in whip as well at this stage of his career which he wasn't earlier in his career so he's another guy like morton who just has aged like a fine wine (laughs) yeah and if he's eating up those innings like getting you six or seven innings and adding those good ratios i mean that's what you want obviously yeah for sure so let's talk about a guy who has just been like lights out this season, kind of <laughs> sort of out of nowhere. Not totally because he's on the Dodgers. So anytime there's a guy pitching for the Dodgers, you kind of have to watch what's going on. I mean, look at what Tony Gonsolin has done. But yeah. um, but let's talk a little bit about Tyler Anderson because he has also been great. He's got eight wins already, which is nice. But um, 282 ERA uh, and a, a 0.94 whip. Um, he's not quite striking out a batter per inning, but his walk rate is phenomenal at 1.48 walks per nine. Um, I mean, this guy, he's a journeyman, you know, he pitched in Colorado, which is always going to be rough <laughs> on your ratios. Um, went to the giants and the, he's one guy that they, they didn't manage to turn around. But since he's, it seems like the Dodgers have really figured out, cracked the code with, uh, with Tyler Anderson. So what are your expectations uh, for him the rest of the year? Yeah, we talked him about him a little bit on our uh, buy low, sell high, and kind of talked about him as maybe a sell high. Uh, I think you might have mentioned that he's sort of a guy you might just have to, you know, hold on, you know, hold on to your chips there. And I mean, I guess what can you get for a Tyler Tyler Anderson? Um, you know, he's eight and zero, so like that's a little bit of good luck. But he is with the Dodgers, so he's he is going to get some some wins. But I definitely expect that to regress a little bit. Um, you know, in the win category, I don't expect him to win 30 games. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, a regress a little bit there, but yeah, like we've seen his case per nine be t- like in 2019, it was, it was over 10. Uh, so like we've seen him have some good strikeout, uh, strikeouts before. So maybe if he can, if he can keep that up, he can continue to be a serviceable pitcher. Uh, he is with the Dodgers, but I don't know. I expect him to be like somewhere in the 35 to 40, uh, SP range, maybe. He might not even be a top fifty pitcher rest of the way. Who knows? It's hard yeah. to trust him, right? Like, yeah, I don't think I. Him. I'm not sure I could get him in my top forty, but um, but I do I do like him. I mean, I do think just being with the Dodgers is such a nice place to be, and I and the walk rate to me, it's just it limits the damage. You know, I mean, he just he's gonna be at least solid as long as he's walking that few guys as long. You know, and and even if he's not quite striking out a batter per inning and I don't expect him to I mean his career K per nine is only 7.88 but that's fine I mean with that walk rate that great team environment the win potential like he's gonna be a I would say a guy you just start every time out basically um he may be a little bit of a sell high if you can get something but if not, yeah, just enjoy the ride. On a personal level, I feel great for the guy. He has eight wins, which is the most in his career. I'm looking at his previous, you know, like you mentioned him being a journeyman. He's never had eight wins in his in his whole career in any season, and here he has well, it through through ten games started. So good for him. I mean, coming up with the Rockies as a pitcher is just about <laughs> as bad as it gets. So yeah, <laughs> he survived right. the Rockies. <laughs> yep. Uh, so um, another guy who's not a big strikeout pitcher. Uh, is Miles Michaelis, and uh, he is—he's <laughs> having a year that looks an awful lot like his 2018 season uh, with the Cardinals. Um, you know, both years, 283 ERA in, in in that season. He's got a 262 right now. Uh, K rate both times not very good, but the walk rate pristine. Um, 
the you know the whip was 107 in 2018 right now it's 0.97 uh he's he's actually kind of, he, he kind of reminds me of Tyler Anderson in a way except <laughs> even more of a low strikeout guy uh who who really gets by on his pinpoint control um you know i expect some regression just when you let the other team put the ball in play as often as he does like it's hard to expect the guy to have a sub three ERA anyway, but in that situation, especially, but um, I don't know. He's one of these pitchers who finds a way to induce a lot of soft contact. It's, it seems like. Yeah. And his, his whip is below one. Uh, I, I don't expect that to, you know, I don't expect him to maintain that through the season that that's going to start to come up. But I mean, so far, I mean, he's just been like this steady Eddie pitcher who you just keep, you just keep tossing him out there. I mean, he's, He's had a, I mean, he's had a couple of, of, of games where he's given up like four or five earned runs, but most of his games he's given up like zero to two earned runs, just like clockwork. So, mm-hmm. and he's going lately. He's gone really deep into games. He almost had a complete game against the Pirates a couple nights ago. So, yeah, um, not a guy I'm going to trade for, but I'm moving him up my rankings because you kind of have to. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of like, <laughs> I mean, he's obviously not nearly as good as. Uh, as Marcus Simeon, but there is a little bit of a dynamic that's similar to me, which is that like the fact that we've seen him do it before, mm-hmm. that's like what made me believe in Marcus Simeon last year when he was doing it was that we had seen him do it once before. And now I feel like with, with Michaelis, it's the same thing. Like we've seen him do it once before, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like, maybe he can do it again. <laughs> well, I mean, another pitcher, you know, just going over to Sonny Gray for the twins, we we've seen him, you know, have some pretty solid years. Uh, he's always, like he's had some really high strikeout uh, rates, and he's he's almost up near ten strikeouts per nine again this year. Uh, he's dealt, I guess, with a little a few little. Like he had a little bit of a IL stint, I believe. Sonny Gray yeah. did. Yeah. Um, so he's only started eight games. He's three and one. Uh, he has a two point oh nine ERA uh, with an expected ERA closer to three. So you know some probably some some regression there. Um, but he's looked pretty good. I think he's a guy like the Twins are sort of a surprise team. They've gotten better on offense. They got Carlos Correa, um, you know, brought in some brought in some pieces. Uh, of course, Royce Lewis is out for the year now, but we, they've got Miranda up there. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, Sonny Gray's a guy that like like I said, just talking about Mikolas, kind of good transition to Gray because like we've seen him have some solid seasons uh, in Cincinnati all the way back to Oakland. It's been a while. He's been in the league quite some time, but. It, it, you kind of trust it a little bit with a guy where you've seen it, even if it's been a little while. <laughs> yeah, no, I like Sonny Gray a lot. I think he's a very good pitcher. It's just it's kind of a health thing with him mostly. I mean, he's yeah. already missed some time this year, like you said. Uh, he hasn't thrown over 176 innings since back in 2015. So mm, yeah, uh, you know there'll be some time, more time on the IL perhaps, but. Uh, he's like a, he's one of those pitchers that like if he's healthy and and pitching, I'm gonna have him in my lineup every single time. Um, you know his expected ERA has been really good four years in a row. You, you know you mentioned he's due for some regression, but any guy with a 209 ERA is gonna be due for some <laughs> regression. I mean a 290 expected ERA is really really good. Yeah, and he's had an, an expected ERA you know in the low uh, to mid threes uh, more often than not the last few years. So. Yeah, that's a good um, point. Yeah, he's just uh, he's a good pitcher. Big strikeout rate. Um, you know, the walk rate can be a little bit of an issue sometimes, but uh not not a massive issue, you know. Um so yeah, I like him. I think he's he's the kind of guy I could get behind putting in that top 40 starting mm-hmm. pitchers. Yeah. Um 
so Tyler Molly, this is another guy that uh, I had pretty much given up on this season. <laughs> uh, but um, just because, you know, we I think we talked about it on the last show, like I like trust is a big thing for me with, with starting pitchers. I have to, you know, because I don't want to get into this situation where I'm like benching them after a bad start and then they end up having a great start and then I put them back yeah. in my lineup and they get torched and then I bench them again and they have a good start. You know, you have to just trust these guys that you can actually – use them more often than not unless you want to like play the streaming game and and go with some lesser arms just in good in favorable matchups and things like that but um generally i like to build my staff around guys that i really believe in and trust and um molly was just so bad early in the season that like that trust was kind of broken for me but um he's come storming back and the (laughs) strikeout rate is right there with the last two years uh, the expected ERA is all the way down to 324, even though his current ERA is at 446. Um, so Stackhouse actually suggests he's having the best year of his career now. Uh, <laughs> so that's quite a turnaround. Um, do you are you buying in on Tyler Miley at this point? Well, like it's kind of like you said, I, I feel the same way you do. Sort of the trust. I mean, it is nice to see like the last couple games, double digit strikeouts. You know, like that's that's nice. I mean, it looks like. He's he's starting to come around, and and you see the the good uh, Tyler Molly, but I feel like we've just also seen him be so much better away from Cincinnati. Like this is a guy where if I had him, I probably would be playing sort of the matchups and the home road. Like I just don't know that I would play him that often in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So it, not not a, not a pitcher that I ne- necessarily want to have on my team because I would worry about him, and I don't know that I would just leave him in my lineup and not and just kind of set it and forget it. Yeah, he's also faced a lot of weak offenses lately. I mean, I'm just looking yeah. at his, his game log. I mean, he faced Pittsburgh twice, then the Guardians, then the Cubs, then the Giants is not so easy a matchup, but then the Nats and then the Diamondbacks twice. I mean, that's like a very favorable stretch. So maybe that helps explain why he's he's pitching much better lately. So, yeah, there could still be some bumps in the road. But, I, you know, I do look at the overall track record of this guy, and he – He's been good. I mean, he was really good last year. He was very good in 2020 as well. So I would, I kind of feel like he, he probably deserves the benefit of the doubt right now. Yeah. Well, the next pitcher on our list, Spencer Strider, uh, younger guy, unproven, but I'm, I'm definitely a little more, you know, excited about Strider. And I think I was texting you, I think it was last night about the Braves. And I mean, I've been, I've been betting their hot streak the last three or four games. Uh, and when they play tomorrow night, I'll be jumping on them again. But I think last night I had bet on Spencer Strider, you know, five or six strikeouts in a Braves win. And I'm just going to keep, keep riding that every time he goes on the mound because the strikeouts are really starting to come around. And so that's, what's really getting me excited for him. Oh, he's just, he's got such nasty stuff and he's pretty much like a two pitch pitcher, but, um, those two pitchers are so good that like it can work, you know? Yep. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm definitely on board with him. I mean, this is, you just don't often see pitchers that have that kind of strike area, like you said. Um, so it's very enticing. And um, the Braves are certainly a, a team that has a, uh, a good track record on developing pitchers as well. Uh, you know, it was he needed to prove that he could do it in the starting rotation and not just the bullpen, but he seems to be proving that so far. Um, so, yeah, the upside is extremely high for this guy. He, he just he is a pitcher that could be an emerging ace. Yep. Um, I was also texting you last night because I was watching, sat down and watched the Orioles game, and I hadn't sat down and watched like a full baseball game in quite some time. But 
Uh, Jorge Lopez, you know, I mean, we've talked about him a bunch, I feel like, or a bunch for any Oriole. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, he was a guy, you know, when we started seeing him in the closer role, I kept saying, like, yeah, this was a guy like last year and previous years where he could barely make it out of the fifth inning as a starter. But in the closer role, like, he can throw one or even we saw him, I saw him get a, I think it was a five out save uh, two nights ago. Like, he's even, he'll even throw two innings. Uh, but, don't ask him to go three, four, five innings. <laughs> that he's not doing. But he's looking good in the closer role for Baltimore. He really is. Yeah, and you know the walk rate is starting to come down, which is exciting because that's something that's been kind of a thorn in his side. Last year it was over four walks per nine. Now it's at three point yeah. six nine. But I'll have to pull up the splits. I believe it's been trending in a positive direction uh, lately. Um, so I'm pulling up right now. Yeah, I mean he doesn't um, have a walk in his last. Like yeah. eight games yeah zero walks in june <laughs> yeah so that's pretty awesome um yeah i mean and i'll mention david bednar in the same conversation i mean both of these guys closers on bad teams but yep uh they're they're, they're putting up a ton of fantasy value and in fact one thing i've noticed generally is that um relief there there are a lot of relief pitchers like if you look at the top performers in uh, in standard rotisserie and categories leagues, like a lot of the top performers are relief pitchers. I mean, you've got Clay Holmes, you've got Bednar, you've got Josh Hader, you've got Hells, Ryan Helsley, J.P. Fireisen, Lopez, Kenley Jansen. These guys are all top 35 pitchers. Uh, and then you've got guys like Taylor Rogers, Emmanuel Classe, Daniel Bard, Edwin Diaz, um, Eli Morgan, who's not, you know a swingman basically, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Adam Simber, uh, you know some of these guys aren't even closers. Uh, Brock Brock Burke, these guys are all top seventy players uh, in in standard five by five leagues. AJ Minter, Liam Hendricks, I could go on and on. Like the the top one hundred players is littered this year with relief pitchers, and I just wonder if that's something that's a change in the game. You know the fact that. Um, these relievers just put up such dominant numbers. They make such a huge impact in fantasy leagues that uh, that maybe maybe it's a better time than ever to roster a few of these like dominant middle relievers. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. They're and those guys are honestly for me kind of hard to rank, right? And like I want to I want to rank the closers higher, but yeah, might need to take a look at my my rankings and try to bump some of these guys up a little bit too. Yeah, I mean, I'll always rank the closers higher um, just because you know they're going to get the saves. I mean, sure. sometimes the middle relievers numbers can be a little skewed by like picking up a few wins here or there, and that's mm-hmm. not predictable. So, uh, But, you know, guys like um, with big-time striker rights, like the Devin Williams types, um, like <clears throat> they they have had fantasy value year after year. You know? Yeah, just to make one more point on like guys like Bednar and, and Lopez, I mean, one of the reasons I wasn't really, even at the beginning of the season, that high on Lopez was just like, a, I hadn't really seen it before, but I also didn't really trust Brandon Hyde to just keep going back to him because we hadn't really seen him do that with a closer. But Lopez is, is the guy, um, and he I don't see why he wouldn't continue to be. And I guess just don't be afraid, you know, as long as the guy is in the role and that's what he's doing, like don't be afraid if the guy's doing really well, if it's for a bad team. Like if he's in the role, it's fine. Like the same thing happens in football where you're like, you can have a guy on a bad team, but he's the workhorse running back and getting 70% of the touches, like you can still have plenty of fantasy value. You know, yeah. So. And, yeah. I think it's even more so with closers. Cause like, yeah, you maybe. know, once, once they are pitching, they can put up the same numbers anyone else can. I mean, like closer, cl- like save opportunities are not that predictive. You know, there's always 
going to be some guys on bad teams near the top of the saves. It just happens because some of the great teams blow everybody out, you know, and win by yeah. a ton of runs every time. And some of the bad teams just happen to, you know, a lot of their wins are close wins. So, yep. Um, it, it's I've never been afraid of of going with uh, with closures on bad teams. I just I, your point is taken though that like coming into the season it wasn't clear that Lopez was going to be the closer. <laughs> it wasn't uh, that was totally unclear situation coming into the year. And then with Pittsburgh, it was Stratton or Bednar, and Bednar was always the better pitcher. So I would have um, been supportive of drafting him anyway because he gives the good ratios, and even if he only got half the save chances, he'd be valuable. But now he's getting all of them. I feel like Cole Solcher was even still an Oriole in March. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a oh, last it's hard to trade. remember that far back. <laughs> yeah, true. Speaking of Orioles, Austin yeah. Hayes. Let's go back to some hitters. Let's Oh yeah. Maybe talk about some younger hitters. Um and Austin Hayes is twenty six now, so he's he's not as young as he used to be, but he's always a player I've kinda liked. Uh you know, I feel like he's not um he's kinda he's not a sexy name. <laughs> um <laughs> but he put up some nice numbers in the minors. Took him a little while to acclimate to the to the majors, but um, he's always hit for a decent average. And last year he popped twenty two homers with four steals, uh, over seventy runs, over seventy RBIs, and only one hundred thirty one games. So that was kind of a breakthrough year for him. And it seems like he's uh, taken it to another level this year, hitting two ninety one with eight homers already. Um, good thirty six RBIs, very solid in fifty nine games. Uh, strikeout rate is lo- pretty low at 16.3%. Uh, I just think he's like a pretty good player, you know? Um, I, I think like he's a player that people just kind of sleep on, but, um, you know, Stackhouse really mostly backs up what he's doing and um, he doesn't steal bases and he <laughs> plays for a bad team. But other than that, um, it, his numbers are starting to look kind of like Trey Mancini's did a couple of years back. Yeah, I thought for a second you were still talking about Brian Reynolds. Um, I mean, that's kind of what Austin Hayes sounds like, right? I mean, Brian Reynolds was a guy who is a guy who has hit for a high average, will hit maybe 20 to 30 home runs, not going to steal a ton of bases. Um, that's kind of what Austin Hayes is right now, and and, he, and he's 76% rostered, so it's not like he's going unnoticed. Um, he's on a lot, of, a lot of rosters. But, yeah, I mean, I've been moving him up my rankings. I know before the season started I was saying how I like Anthony Santander – uh, even better than Austin Hayes, so we talked about that for a, f- a few seconds. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I've I've uh, moved Hayes above Santander uh, finally. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. good. You, yeah, I was always on Team Hayes for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were. I think I yeah, I think I won that one that round. You did, but you've won plenty as well. <laughs> uh, but let me talk about a couple other guys that I'm super excited about, and I've talked sure. about these guys a little bit at various times. But uh, Michael Harris and Andrew Vaughn, two young players that I have on my team who. Uh, I'm hoping are going to turn into keepers, even though we only keep six players. Mm. Um, I just, I think the the upside with both of these guys is is quite high. Um, you know, Harris probably has the arguably even higher upside because he can bring stolen bases to the table. But mm-hmm. uh, this is the guy I was teasing earlier when I said guy batting at the bottom of the Braves lineup now, and that's where where Harris has been. But that's good because that just takes all the pressure off him. He's off to a fantastic start through his first 18 major league games, hitting 328, couple homers, couple steals, uh, 12 runs, 11 RBIs. He's he's heated up especially lately. Both of those homers have come in, in the last few days. Um, good plate approach, uh, you know, reasonable strikeout rate. 
Uh, there were people that were saying they didn't think he was ready yet um, because he is young. Uh, he's uh, only 21 years old, um, just turned 21 a few months ago, honestly. But, uh, you know, I quoted a uh, Marquise Grissom talking about him in my in my Fantasy Pros article, and he said this kid's different, you know. He just – there's something about him that's special, and he – he's ready for the for the prime time ready to be under the lights you know and Mm -hmm. uh so far that certainly seems to be the case yeah i i uh i think the key here is how long will he be up will eddie rosario come back that's kind of mentioned that before uh will will the Braves send him back down i think as long as he stays hot i mean i like i like his upside i'd like to see his launch angle you know increase a little bit that's pretty it's like six it's like around six so I don't know that he's going to be putting out too many home runs with that low launch angle, but the stolen bases are nice. Uh, we, looks like in the minor leagues he he did a lot of that. So, yeah, he's a nice high upside player uh, for sure. Yeah, it's also only 18 games, so it's hard to <laughs> yeah. take too much out of a launch angle in, in that few games, you know. That's but, true. Um, yeah, I don't expect him to be, like, a massive power guy. I mean, uh, he could eventually. I mean, he's but power is usually the last thing that comes. So, uh, you know, he's still a pretty slender guy. Uh, he could he could build some additional muscle in the coming years. But um, I'd be happy with, you know, 10 or 15 home runs, honestly, at this point, given uh, his ability in the other categories. Yep. Uh, and then Vaughn, I mentioned, too. I mean, he's he's got more power potential, although um, it hasn't really um, manifested itself so much uh, so far. But... I think he's on the verge. I mean, um, really what we're seeing so far this year that's a big step forward from last year is just the, uh, you know, the strikeout rate, the plate approach is fantastic. I mean, he always, coming into, coming out of the minors, that was always his calling card, was a really strong plate approach. And um, he's just brought his strikeout rate even further down to 16.8% this year, hitting 315, which is really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. and, uh, you know, the expected is obviously expected batting average is a little lower than that, but, uh, or a fair amount lower at 271. But, um, I don't know. I, I, I think he's got more upside for power than he's shown so far. And I think maybe right now he's just focusing more on, you know, taking good, uh, good swings and not, not swinging for the fences or anything like that. But, um, you'll take that production when it comes with that kind of a batting average. Definitely. He has uh, multi-hit games in each of his last three. Just looking at his kind of recent game log, um, I'm not as worried about, like, I think the home runs will come. Just, like, I just have this belief that, like, we we saw, like, just the worst, you know, home run hitting in the first, like, month, month and a half of the season, you know, and that some of it's going to gonna come around with guys like Vaughn. And there's some room left for, um, for his walk rate to uh, increase, too, based on what we saw in the minor league. So uh, mm-hmm. he does have some he, – he's shown some good plate discipline. It might even uh, – be even better uh, based on what we've seen uh, in, in in the minor. So yeah, yeah. I and I don't want to like nice undersell player. the. I don't want to undersell the power either. I mean, he has six homers in forty four games. He missed a little bit of time too. So right, you know that's that pace is almost a twenty five homer pace. So it's sure. not like he's uh, been a slouch in that category. Yeah, and that's that's fine for a guy in you know his second second year in the league. That's more than fine. Exactly. Um, so another guy. Um, Again, this is he's not the youngest guy. He's 27, but Santiago Espinal, um, you know, kind of bounced around the, the Red Sox and the Blue Jays farm systems for several years, but uh, got his first cup of coffee in 2020. 
Uh, and then, you know, was a nice little bench bat last year. Hit 311, actually, uh, in 246 plate appearances in 92 games last season. Uh, only two homers, but he did steal six bases. And so far this year, he's he's already hit five homers in 62 <laughs> games with a 298 average. So, you know, he's hitting an even 300 for his uh, major league career through 549 plate appearances, uh, which is pretty impressive. Um, you know, he's not a standout kind of a guy, but he's the kind of guy that can chip in everywhere. And he's in a lineup where he can score a lot of runs, drive in a lot of runs just by virtue of being in that lineup. Um, so I think he's kind of like a, you know, a useful sort of Swiss army knife kind of a player because of his positional eligibility as well. Yeah. I think the, I think the blue Jays have uh, too many good players on their team. That's what I think. <laughs> like this is a guy who is so, you know, underrated. I mean, just because he's on like such a good team. I mean, I think you wrote in your, uh, waiver wire article that's like you know basically the saying that he's like he's like the best hitter on the team right now you know but he's no one was really you know everyone looks at vlad and bichette and these other guys who are starting to come around um alejandro kirk man i watched that game of the night and i hadn't really seen kirk in action that dude he looks like a small refrigerator <laughs> he's yeah. just like he is so stout man yeah. um another another uh Young guy who I know you've talked about before and kind of excited about is Riley Green, uh, prospect for Detroit. Like, he still is not up in the majors, um, but I'm looking. He's actually 43% rostered in Yahoo. So people are stashing him. And I know that's probably some dynasty leagues and stuff too, but I'm sure the majority of Yahoo leagues are just like standard leagues, not not dynasty. So that's a, that's a pretty high roster percentage for a guy who still is not up yet. Yeah, well, that just speaks to the type of potential that he has. I mean, yeah. he was kind of coming into the season, he was being spoken about in the same breath as like a, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. type, you know, in terms of like the upside that he had. Um, like, you know, and I know Spencer Torkelson has been disappointing, but they have really very different profiles. You know, I think um, maybe maybe the better comp for Riley Green isn't Bobby Witt. Maybe it's Julio Rodriguez. But I mean, Could that's be. the kind of thing you could see, you know, the, the ability to, steal a bunch of bases um, as you're acclimating yourself to the majors. Like he mm -hmm. could do that too, you know, and that would give him that floor if, as he's figuring out major league pitching, but he's got, I mean, last year between double A AA and triple A, he hit 24 homers and stole 16 bases in 124 games. So, and hit over 300. <laughs> so, I mean, he was a monster last year. Um, the Tigers really need a spark. I mean, it's been a, just a nightmare season for them, and their offense has just struggled so very badly. So um, I I know – I mean, th this is a team that's been fairly aggressive in, with their prospects. So uh, they had already made it clear coming into the year that he was going to be on the opening day roster if he hadn't injured his foot. And, yep. um, you know, he's he's been hitting well in AAA uh, on this rehab assignment. So I think he's going to be with the Tigers sooner than later. Yeah, and like you said, the Tigers are struggling. So, like, when he does come up, he could be a 15-15 guy rest of the way or 20-20 20 and 20 if he comes up in the next week or two. So, he could definitely have that kind of production. And that's – you just can't get that anywhere on the waiver wire. So, there's a reason, like you said, he's being stashed in that many leagues. Yep, for sure. And then uh, one other young guy, 22-year-old uh, uh, Christopher Morell with the Cubs. Um, he just keeps producing, you know. I mean, he – he uh, was not like 
a super highly rated prospect. I mean, last year in double A, he had 17 homers and 16 steals in 101 games, which is pretty nice, but he hit 220. So he wasn't really on many people's radars. But then he came out this year in double A and hit 306 with seven homers and three steals in 28 games, gets the call to the Cubs. 275 average, four homers, and six steals in 27 games. So he's really producing across the board right now, and he's another one of these guys that has uh, multi-position eligibility. Um, he's he's a uh, he you can put him plug him in at second base, third base, or outfield. So and he's hitting leadoff right now as well. So yep. getting uh, extra bats. Yep. A lot of nice things about him. Uh, he actually has a homer and a steal tonight after hitting a, th- uh, a homer and driving in three last night. So he is on a tear at the moment <laughs> and is really a must-roster player, in my opinion. He's only 63% rostered in Yahoo, which is needs to be higher. Yeah, what's crazy is he had like kind of a, a, a rough week before he hit the back-to-back you know, uh, homers and get back-to-back games. So he's actually minus four in the last day, roster percentage on Yahoo. So a bunch of people have dropped him. So maybe yeah. he'll take a look and see if he's available. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> All right, and then before we move on to Shakers, um, I just want to quickly go through some other names. These are all guys who have been putting up really good fantasy production, uh, but the question is, can we really trust this? <laughs> um, so the the list of names is Jock Peterson, Jerickson Profar, Brandon Drury, John Birdie, Luis Arias, and Kyle Farmer. Um, some of these guys are actually like highly, highly rated players. So, yeah. you know, Jock Peterson is the 90th overall player right now. Kyle Farmer is the, um, let's see, 137th overall player, um, but he's been hot lately. Um, uh, Drury in particular, he is, where is he? He is the 47th overall player right now. Yeah, he's been uh, white hot and lately. And Profar, too. Profar is the 52nd overall player. So, uh, do, I mean, have we, we're we in mid-June now. Do we need to take, like, Brandon Drury and Jerks and Profar seriously at this point? I think, you, yeah. I mean, they should be rostered. I think you got to take them seriously. I mean, these are guys, like, if you have a need at these, like, kind of second base shortstop, you know, positions, and a lot of these guys are, like, multi, like, kind of utility guys, too. Uh, now, a guy like Luis Arias, I mean, is he going to get you much more than a high average? Probably not. Jock Peterson is, you know, can be a platoon player. So right. I, I don't know that you necessarily like. Yeah, he's he's doing well when he's playing, but like depends on your league and your bench size if you want to keep a guy like that on your roster. But I do think that like Profar and Drury, uh, you should you should take seriously. Uh, Kyle Farmer, maybe we might be talking about two weeks from now. Kyle Farmer, we're just dropping him. I don't know. Um, but these other guys like Profar. I mean, he's been a like you said, he's like a top 50, 60 player. So and uh, we're well into the season. So yeah. I, I believe it with a guy like Profar. I believe I agree that they need to be rostered, um, but I don't know, man. It's just like <laughs> I just don't. Feels I icky. don't really think these are great <laughs> players. You know, I mean, there was a there was a time a long time ago where Jerks and Profar was a highly regarded prospect, but that was yeah. six, seven, eight years ago now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like he's twenty nine years old at this point, and. Uh, Even now, I mean, his numbers don't really jump out. I mean, one thing that's really helped him a lot is he has 42 runs and 34 RBIs. Um, So maybe maybe something, maybe being on that Padres lineup is inflating his value some, but um, I don't know. He he also, 
I think he got off to a pretty hot start and um uh he's still hitting for a, a good average but I think his power has tailed off a bit um I don't really think he's gonna hit a ton of home runs this season you know and he's not gonna steal a ton of bases either so and he's probably not gonna hit for a great average he's a 238 career hitter so <laughs> I, I I would I would certainly support rostering him for now but I don't know if he's a guy that's gonna be a guy you want to have in your lineup all season long um yeah. and like Drury I mean he's with he's with Cincinnati great great hitters environment and that's where he's hitting a lot of a lot of these home runs I mean he's got 13 home runs through 54 games um the most he's hit in the season was 16 with Arizona back in 2016 but if you look at like the last five seasons for Drury like he hasn't really had a chance to be an everyday player and now he does uh for the Reds so um not a great team but he can still put up production in a nice hitting environment like Cincinnati is like kind of right there behind cores like a distant second but it's it's a, it's a nice hitting environment so I like yeah Drury that's for that true. reason that's true Drury I, I mean I do agree I think he has a little more power potential I mean he could he could it wouldn't shock me if he hit 25 home runs this season um I I would be surprised though if he got to 30 um <laughs> you know uh I just don't know what else he can really do um he's also 29 years old the, these two guys are similar to me um, yeah I think Drury has more power Profar can give you some steals I don't think either is going to be great I mean in batting average they're probably both like 250 kind of hitters you know um, but they, you know, both have multi-position eligibility. So I I, I think they're both kind of like, sure, ride the hot hand, um, but don't get too attached. Yeah, and as the season gets longer, like, these are both teams, I mean, especially the Reds, but, like, they could bring up prospects, and maybe there could be less playing time for these guys uh, in the second half. You never know. Yeah, and then if I was going to roster any one of those other guys right now, it probably would be John Birdie, honestly, just because <laughs> – I mean, if you play in a league that, that where you need steals, you know, I mean, because he's just been running like crazy. I mean, he's got 12 steals in the last 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's good. <laughs> I mean, that can like that's the kind of that's like the kind of production that can single handedly win you yeah. that category. That's so Adalberto Mondesi territory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's kind of maybe he's like the modern day Juan Pierre or something. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, there's a name I have not heard in a long time. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, on that note, why don't we talk about some shakers real quick here? Sure. And I have to start with Juan Soto because I, I just kind of like took an axe to his ranking this week. I finally have had <laughs> enough with Juan Soto. I, I'm tired of making excuses. I mean, he's obviously a fantastic player, and I have no doubts that he's going to be a, a great player for a very, very long time. But he's in a crummy situation in Washington. It's a team that just has not – supported him they've not put a lot of other good hitters around him and yeah he's had some crummy babip luck but i mean he's you know he's not exactly lighting it up you know his expected batting average is 276 which is you know a good 40 to 50 points higher than his actual batting average but it's also a good 40 to 50 points lower than you might hope his batting average would be (laughs) you know so it's kind of I don't know. I it's it's just I I only moved him down to like 15 or something, but I, yeah. it feels like the kind of thing that people might think is like heresy or something. What do you think? Yeah, I mean it it does it does feel that way a bit, but I mean you also lowered Vlad you know Vladimir Guerrero a bit. I mean at some point you have to start lowering these guys a bit. It's fine. Like we you can always move him back up, right? It's fine. I and and you might 
I guess my question is like looking at where you ranked him. I mean, he's he's down there now, close to like. So you move like Pete Alonso over. I'm just looking at your overall ranking. So he's like sandwiched between Mets, uh, Pete Alonso, and Fr- Francisco Lindor. Um, then you've got Jordan Alvarez, Paul Goldschmidt, Corbin Burns. Would you entertain a Corbin Burns or a Shane McClanahan for a Juan Soto if you you know really needed pitching and you were really set at outfield and you're just fed up with Juan Soto? Would you go down that far and take like one of the best pitchers uh, for a Juan Soto right now? I mean, I think that's a fine thing to do in a redraft league. I mean, yeah. if you, um, you know, if you need pitching help and you're strong in offense, uh, sure, I don't have any problem doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think that you might just because it's Juan Soto, maybe you could get, you know, another bat thrown in, just you know, not like a star, but somebody that's like a solid kind of contributor. Maybe mm-hmm. you could ask because you're the one offering the player that was a consensus like top three pick in drafts, you know? Exactly. Um, yep. But yeah, I don't know. I just, um, I don't think Soto is like going to move the needle uh, as much as he did last year or as much as we would hope he would. Um, so I still expect him to be a lot, lot better than he's been so far. But um, even so it's just, you know, I, it's tough when you talk about him compared to a Pete Alonso because I mean, Pete Alonso has just been so good, you know, um, but it's hard for me. I mean, he is a flawed player, Pete Alonso. I don't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't steal bases. Um, he's not, I mean, he's currently hitting 284. I don't know if he can hit that high all season, but he's got so much power, you know, um, and the Mets are just, are such better offense than the, uh, than the Nats are this season. So um, I think that's a, that's a pretty close one at this point. Sure. Well, another guy that uh, has been a kind of a, a roller coaster ride of our rankings this year is Christian Yelich. Um, I mean, this is someone before the season started, we were talking in the same breath as Cody Bellinger. I feel like those names are going to be tied together this season because that's just, it, you know, it just etched in my mind from the, the preseason rankings. Um, then we moved him up. You know, he got hot and it was like, hey, Christian Yelich is back after three years of being kind of hurt and, you know, removed from being like the MVP and all that. Well, if you look at like his last five weeks, he has one home run, two RBIs. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's a desert there. I mean, he has he has like three or four stolen bases in that, uh, just to keep some fantasy value alive. And he's been hitting a little bit of late, uh, but man, there's not. I mean, if he's not hitting any home runs and he's not getting any RBIs, what is there to like about Yelich? I've I've just I think I need to move him down a little bit more than where I have him to be honest. Yeah, I I I moved him way down. I just uh, I it's these back issues can just kind of ruin careers, you know? And yeah. uh, I just think that um, he's just, he's just uh, maybe at some point he has a whole season where his back feels good and he channels his earlier, you know, self, but I would bet against it. I, I think he'll always chip in a little bit in terms of, you know, the fact that he chips in some steals helps, but um, yeah, I mean, he's just not, not the exciting player that he used to be, and I think that that player is probably not coming back. Nope. Uh, Nolan Arenado, too. This is a guy I called the sell high <laughs> a while ago, and I'm feeling pretty good about that because he has come plummeting down to earth after his extremely hot start. And, you know, it, the overall numbers are going to end up being right around what I would have expected them to be coming into the season. You know, he's not going to steal any bases. He's not 
going to hit for the 300-plus batting average he did when he was in Colorado. He's got 30 homer power with decent run production, but that's about it. You know, it's like he's a solid player, but he he's not the superstar that it looked like he was early in the season. Yep, I, I don't. I, I agree with you there. I don't have a whole lot else to add on him. Um, and I know we I know we have a quite a few guys to move through. And I wanted to mention another third baseman here is Alex Bregman. Um, Bregman is a guy. I don't know if you remember. I was actually as you were talking, pulling up our bold predictions from. The preseason and I said bold would be Bregman is not a top 12 third baseman and that was mm-hmm. you know it was it was fairly bold at the time because if you looked at third base I don't know if you remember doing that position preview because it was a long time ago but man it was rough and since yeah. since the time we did that and then like the season started it started getting a little bit better you know Torkelson came up we had some optimism about him and whatever there were some more more names but I some mean misplaced optimism <laughs> exactly but you know Bregman is not a top 12 third baseman um, oh no so and and he's not even really that. I mean, I guess he's not somewhat close. close, but not not really. Uh, you definitely don't. He's not really... a top twenty-five third baseman. Oh well, I'm looking at <laughs> I'm looking at his value on Baseball Monster. Maybe I have it sorted wrong. I know we were looking at this earlier, but anyway, okay. So he's not even top twenty-five. Good no. grief. Well, no. Nope. Then that just uh, supports my argument even more. I mean, I'm <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at his stats and like, there's not a whole lot to like for a guy who's barely batting two hundred. Um, he's got four home runs. Uh, zero in the stolen base category uh, he plays for a good team he's in a good lineup and that's kind of always been the thought with Bregman is that he can kind of get that form back but um, I think it was 2019 or whenever it was that he had that great year but we really haven't seen it a whole lot since and that was why I had that bold prediction in the preseason and it's coming to fruition so Bregman's tumbling down the rankings yeah I mean there he has been a little bit unlucky I will I will say I mean his expected batting average is like 265, so that's a good 50 points higher than his yeah. actual batting average. And he's walking more than he's striking out, so his plate approach is excellent, um, which helps if you're in a points league. But, yeah, I mean, I, I generally – your point is taken. I mean, the 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 41 home run season back in 2019 always seemed like an outlier. But, um, you know, he had had a really big season the year before that as well, so – people kind of were treating him like a superstar at that point based on those back-to-back seasons. And since then, you know, it just hasn't been that good. (laughs) And yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, I think he'll, you know, he could be a top 12 third baseman the rest of the season, maybe, but (laughs) um, top 15, I don't know. I like he, he is in a good lineup um, and has that good plate approach and, should get a little positive regression to boost him along, but uh, I certainly am no longer excited about him. And I had him kind of as a back end starting third baseman in a 12 team league coming into the season. So I wasn't like super hyped about him, but I just felt like there was like some chance he could channel his past self. And now it's much like Yelich, it just seems like that's not in the cards. Yep. Uh, Randall Gritchick, we don't need to spend a lot of time on him, but. You know, um, he's a guy that you had to be uh, excited about just because he was going to Colorado, and that's just a great place to hit. But, I mean, this is Randall Gritchick, you know. It's like he's not (laughs) a special player, and um, he's gone through a real cold stretch now. So his his numbers are are pretty ugly at this point, and uh, you you really don't have a lot to hang your hat on other than cores. So, yeah, and like he's a marginal player. 
Yeah, like you said, and even then, like I'm looking at 27 games at Coors, he has three home runs. He's batting 276, so like that's better than he is on the road. But he's not getting that big bump that like guys like C.J. Crone and some others were seeing uh, at Coors. And like, yeah, like you said, he's having a rough June. Isn't really doing much, hitting 200, no homers, only two RBIs through 13 games. Yep, yep. And then a former Rocky, D.J. LeMahieu. I mean. The Yankees are scoring infinite runs, and somehow this guy is not really benefiting <laughs> from it at all. I mean, he's just got really, really blah numbers across the board. And, um, you know, it's been he, – he did well in his first couple seasons with the Yankees, but it was always, like, worrisome when he left Colorado. Like, would he be able to maintain Yeah, just based on his skill set, you know? And it's like he came out and smashed 26 homers and – first year with the Yankees in 2019 it was like whoa where did that come from um <laughs> but then since then you know I mean he had he was also really good in the in the COVID year in 2020 but uh last year was very very thoroughly mediocre and he's his numbers this year look basically exactly the same as last season across the board yeah and you look at like that 2020 season when he had he batted 364 and like before like he's had some years like like when he was in cores where he was batting like 350 and you know leading the i believe i believe he's led the league in average a couple times at least i mean mm-hmm. i feel like he's had to with the what i'm looking at <laughs> yeah um, you know um yeah. but gosh yeah he's batting 256 last year he batted 268 like uh, he has a nice high walk rate but even in points league I'm, he's not he's not hitting uh you know so it's just it's just not a whole lot to like with DJ LeMahieu. Yeah, he's become just an extremely boring player. <laughs> he really has. Yeah. Now, uh, a, a few pitchers we moved down in our rankings. Uh, Charlie Morton we've talked about on the show. He's a guy yeah. that I've loved in the past, but it just seems like it's uh, father time may have, <laughs> have caught up to Charlie Morton. I mean, he is he's the kind of player that has like really hurt fantasy managers if they've like stuck stubbornly stuck with him in there in their starting lineup. Yeah, let's not open that wound back up with Charlie Morton. I feel like we've okay. talked about it enough. That's fair. <laughs> let's talk about a couple of closers then, or sure. former closers, as it may be in the case of Corey Knable. Uh, yeah. But Craig Kimbrell is another guy. I, I moved down quite a bit in my rankings this week. I just – I don't think he's good anymore. <laughs> I guess that's that's kind of where I come down on Craig Kimbrell. Like, I mean, you look at his numbers, and there are all kinds of warning signs that – he's just not good anymore he's 34 years old um you know he's still striking out a lot of guys but his walk rate is very high and you know he's just kind of i mean before last year he had two terrible seasons with the cubs and um i don't know maybe i'm being a little too harsh i mean he does have the the big time strikeout rate but um he just uh i don't know i i just don't i just don't really feel it with him i know his peripherals suggest he's been a little bit um unlucky and is due for some some more positive results but i just i just don't really think he's a shutdown closer and i also think that like dave roberts is just not gonna push him that hard so he's gonna get he's not gonna get all of the save chances that the dodgers uh, create and that's why i uh recommend rostering daniel hudson as well that's that was exactly what I was gonna gonna bring up was like I remember before the season started before the trade happened right we were looking at Blake Trinan and 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 Hudson and I remember we both like had Hudson way up there and he's actually looked really good like his, Hudson's numbers have been have been really solid and yeah yeah I mean what you're saying is right about Kimbrel he's been giving up runs more often than not good luck or bad luck like with closers 
I mean, you're in there for a very short time and it's like you're coming in in very, you know, high intensity situations. If you're giving up runs, I mean, I, I don't see why Roberts wouldn't wouldn't go to Hudson and give him some opportunities. So I actually have Kimbrell in a league and I, uh, I'm not benching him because he's still the closer. Um, but I actually have Knebel in that league too and I'm about ready to drop him because, I mean, he's not the closer anymore. And but like he's just been so erratic, and I think we both got Sir Anthony Dominguez in our in our rankings this this week. He's actually looked yeah. really good. Uh, I think they still have Brad Hand too, so it's probably yeah. a little bit of a committee. Uh, but I think Dominguez should have a good, good shot at it, and definitely pick him up if you're a Canebla owner, which I will probably do after we re- uh, are done recording here. <laughs> yeah, I mean Dominguez is kind of like in the position that David Bednar was coming into the season, where it's like. He doesn't necessarily have the closer role, but he's got the much better stuff and mm-hmm. much better ratios than the guy he's competing with. I mean, Hand is kind of a shell of his former self at this point. So, yeah, um, I would much prefer Dominguez just because. I mean, if you really need saves, you could pick up either of them. But I think that like Dominguez, even if he's not getting all the saves, is still going to be valuable. And Knebel, yeah, it's a mess. I mean, it's I. Uh, you know, it, it, you can't, you don't, you don't want him in your lineup when he's not the closer because his stuff, his, his ratios are just not helpful enough, and his walk rate is atrociously bad this year. So, um, he is definitely a drop candidate. I mean, it is possible he gets the job back um, if he pitches well for a while, but um, you know, depending on how desperate you are for saves and how barren your waiver wire is, I, I could see moving on. Um, yeah, and then we have a few guys uh, just at the at the end here to kind of talk about injuries. Uh, I know we mentioned Ozzy Albies when we talked about Swanson and some other guys earlier, and he fractured his foot. Unfortunately, he's already undergone surgery. He was placed on the 60-day IL, uh, and so he cannot come back until mid-August or so at the earliest. So, I mean, obviously move him way down the list. It's good for Dansby Swanson. Like we talked about, batting second might be good for Michael Harris uh, even. Uh, sticking around um so yeah bummer for albie's owners uh i would yep. definitely put him in the il if you can but i mean people are going to drop him too because if you don't if you only have a couple il spots i don't know that i mean is he worth keeping around let's say you have two il spots because might not be able to yeah and you know the other thing about <laughs> albie is like i was actually looking into trying to like buy low on him um before he got hurt and, yeah. and then i kind of like talked myself out of it a little bit because he only has three. He only had three steals in sixty-two games this season before the injury, and right. Um, and I believe his sprint speed was like way down. So um, I don't think a broken foot's going to help that. You know, coming yeah, off. Well, I mean, not to, right. I'm not making light of it, of course, but just coming off an injury like that's going to be rough. Yeah, I just. I mean, I just don't know if he's going to be like a, a stolen base guy anymore. Um, right. Like his stolen his he's hundred ninety third in uh, MLB in sprint speed this season. So. Last year he was 107, the year before 93rd, year before 88, year before 74th. So it's been like a steady decline in his sprint speed. Um, and, you know, I, yeah. So I, if, yeah, if you only, if you don't have enough IL spots in a redraft league, you might just need to say, say goodbye. Yeah. And then Walker Bueller had a, uh, a bone spur removed from his elbow, his pitching elbow. Uh, and so he's on a six to eight week, uh, I guess, timetable. Um, oh no, he's looking at a 10 to 12 week recovery. Um, yeah, that's, that's rough. I think I, I think I saw the six to eight week in the blurb and maybe my brain just stopped. I'm gonna have to move him down a little more cause I think I've got him around 100, but I probably have to move him down to 150 to 200 with that. News. Yeah. 
And he wasn't even pitching that well even before he got hurt. I mean, it's his true. strikeout rate was down. Uh, his ERA was over four. So it's just shaping up as a lost season for him. Yep. Uh, and then uh, Brandon Woodruff was a guy that I just moved him back and forth in my rankings because <laughs> I kind of freaked out when I saw the story about him having uh, Raynaud's syndrome. Yeah. Uh, that sounds scary. <laughs> but right. apparently it's not that big a deal because it he's uh, he's on his way to a, a, a rehab start. So um, it seems like he actually will be back maybe in late June or early July um, from the uh, – it was initially a, an ankle injury, um, but then he got the Raynaud syndrome, which is he, uh, numbness in the fingers. So mm-hmm. it's kind of been a weird injury situation, one that we don't have a lot of others to compare to. I heard some people getting uh, scared that it could be thoracic outlet syndrome, which was the mm-hmm. thing that really freaked me out. But it doesn't seem like that's the case at this point. So I Moved him way down my rankings, and then I moved him way back up. (laughs) Definitely one that could use a little bit more information and uh, research because I mean he could be a he could be a buy low or he could be like a don't touch at all. It's kind of hard, like you know, it's it's really tough. He's a tough one to rank until we see him back in pitching. So if you if you're feeling gutsy, you know, go out and and get him on your roster if you can afford to give up something, see what you can get. But you never know, like he might not come back or something. Like we just don't know right now. It seems yeah, positive. I, would, I think I would. T- I'd be willing to take a chance on him, though. Honestly, yeah. if, if if the uh, manager in your league that has him is freaking out, uh, <laughs> right? Be able to get a, a a bargain ace. Yeah, and then Drew uh, Drew Rasmussen uh, was placed on the IL um, with a hamstring strain. So uh, no injury is a good injury, but definitely like to see that it's not a, a pitching arm <laughs> injury with the pitcher. So uh, you know he'll be. We I lowered him a bit. I didn't lower him too much, but. We, we did see him uh, have a rough outing uh, in Minnesota his last time out, but he's a guy I think we both kind of like. So um, if we were talking about him last, maybe we would have talked about him as a buy low um, potentially in, in Rasmussen. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I've sort of like cooled on him a little bit um, just because he doesn't have that uh, impressive strikeout rate. And um, it seemed like he was doing it a little bit with smoke and mirrors um, at last season. And, uh, maybe that's starting to like catch up to him a little bit, but I think he's I think he'd be solid. Like if if he was healthy, like he's actually on the waiver wire in my league. So um, mm. if he was healthy, I I would not have a problem rostering him and giving him a shot. But I don't think he's like a a screaming buy or anything like that at this point. Yeah. It's always interesting when those guys get dropped who are kind of in that sixty to seventy percent rostered range, and you're like, ooh, <laughs> you double take, don't you? You're like. I need to take a closer look at this guy and see if I should be picking him up. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes I've, I I think I dropped Max Muncy and he was like 86% roster or something. Yeah, I know. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, if I uh, if one of my IL players comes back, I may grab Rasmussen, at least stash him on the IL and save that decision for later. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, that's that's enough movers and shakers for one night, I think. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Gosh, what was it like? Fifty. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a, well, that's what happens when we go two weeks without doing this. So yeah. Uh, well, we got to we, talk football you know, in the meantime. You know. <laughs> exactly. It was all worth it. <laughs> uh, well, thank you all for listening and uh, following along with us. Um, you know, if you want more about our rankings, go to rusrankings.com. You can see the full list and. Uh, Come up with your own list of movers and shakers that you'd like to think about. Um, <laughs> but uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Seifter. 
and you can follow me on Twitter at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.